You are listening to audio from Normandy Community Church in Dallas. And over the last last week specifically, we talked about discernment. I've said it about a hundred times um, since 2019, 2020. Does anybody remember what discernment is? I didn't define it. It was Ruth Haley Barton, but I've taken this concept and I've run with it. Does anyone remember this this phrase? What is discernment? You, you, Jenny, you you can't you can't share. You can. Does anybody remember what it is? John Kelly. Austin. Spencer got it, the two most consistent dudes. So discernment is recognizing and responding to God's presence in our daily lives. So today what I think we're supposed to be doing through the sermon and towards the end of it is to be attentive to God's presence and join him in what he's already doing. All right? Like I want us to be attentive to him. Like I'm not the one talking, but somehow through me, the word of God, the spirit of God is leading us somewhere. So I want us to be attentive to it and join in in what he's already doing, okay? Okay, so how many of you know someone or yourself personally who is deconstructing their faith? Probably corporately and on Instagram, okay. And then posting about how they found a new path or whatever. So they're deconstructing something. This is kind of what we see is going on. Last week, um, Emily's mom said this in church that one of the things that she discerned was that the church it's like this apocalyptic time where it's like what's really going on behind the curtain is being shown, right? So it's like an unveiling. So that's another thing that we see going on. Another thing, how many of you know someone or have heard someone that is feeling lonely, like isolated? Yes. How many of you know someone that's spiritually apathetic? Like it's just kind of like atrophying a little bit. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and so into this place, this is what I want us to discern. It's easy to kind of pick up those things, right? Because people either post about it or they show you stats. What's difficult to do is actually discern what God's doing beyond that, right? It's difficult to discern, like, the positive side of that. If you have positivity on Strength Finders, which our church is sponsored in part by Strength Finders, raise your hand. For you guys, it might be a little bit easier to discern what God is doing. But for some of those where positivity is a little bit lower... The glass is half full because it's half full. It's more difficult to discern what God is doing in our midst. It can be, at least it can be. Okay. So into this place today, I feel like I have some sort of word about what God is doing in the big C church and the role that we're supposed to play as a, just a small expression of it. All right? All right. So what I think the Lord is really calling us to do is to be consecrated. So if discernment is recognizing and responding his presence in our daily lives, and if we've seen the church, the American evangelical church, kind of stop, what would you call it? It's just a mess, right? The news is a mess. It's, it's exhausting. And so what I think the Lord is inviting kind of the big C churches is, is into consecration. When I say the word consecration, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Holiness. Uh, set apart, sanctified. No, did you say something? Mm. Okay, so when I say like, when they say set apart, sanctified, or holiness, what's your gut reaction? Are you like, oh, this is amazing, or are you kind of repelled by it? Which one? I don't know how to do that. Right. Anybody else? The thought of holiness. 
Right. Right. Yes, so what Mayor said is like, she didn't, well, how do you consecrate? How do you be holy? And then Michelle is saying like, a lot of times, at least in this age, holiness seems to have a little bit of a negative connotation, something that we do versus something that he gives to us through humility, kind of. Right. So in the middle of all of this, like I, I don't really know how to do it, but I have some thoughts specifically from 1 John. 1 John 1, chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his truth is not in us. As, we've, as I've been in this book for probably like two years now, maybe not as extreme, a year and a half, I feel like this hyperbolic whiplash every time I read these chapters, these, these verses specifically. And I like honestly, I'm like, what do I do with this, Lord? I think I'm fellowshipping with you, but I know that there's part of me that actually kind of walks in the darkness. So am I a liar or am I a son of God? Uh, like one of the sons of God, or am I a child of God? I feel this tension that I wish wasn't there, but is there, right? As I'm trying to walk and experience the Lord, I realize that this, this whole thing is not written to me individually, but it's written to us as a people. It was written specifically to a group of house churches in um, ancient, the ancient Near East. I mean, it was a long time ago. But this is something that's written to a people to do together. And when I think about this idea of consecration, I think about this idea of speaking the truth, telling the truth, like walking in the truth, walking with the truth, the person of Jesus who is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so today, what I think is, what I think God is calling us to be consecrated into truth-telling, speaking the truth. And when I think about different pastors and their philosophy of ministry, like I'm not talking about speaking the truth to power, although that needs to happen. I'm not talking about speaking your truth to the world at all, because that I don't think that needs to happen as much. What I'm talking about is at the core of your heart, walking in the truth, like not actually lying. Like the little white lies that we tell from time to time to get out of something, or the little lies we tell ourselves about how we're walking in the light, or you know, we really don't want this or that, or we really want the things of God. And there's ways where we, I think, lie to ourselves. And these lies we think are just small, but what I believe they do is they actually fracture our being. When we, when we lie, when we don't speak the truth, we don't speak the truth to ourselves and one another, we think it's small, but it's a fracture that starts in us and then begins to permeate like the very fabric of space and time. Like you think about in the garden, the enemy lied immediately about the character of God. Did God really say this? Just, just, just a little bit of a lie. And the consequence from that little lie is the devastation that we're seeing in our own hearts and minds and then in our own 
uh, or in the nation, in the news that we're seeing today. That's what we believe theologically. Does that make sense? So I, I believe that when we lie, we don't speak the truth, we don't agree with the word of God, we don't be honest about where we are with God and with others and about sin or about good things. We're not honest about these things. These little fractures fracture our being, and then they begin to fracture the very being of our, like, very nature of reality is what I think. And so what I believe Christ is inviting us into is consecration specifically in this, what we just read. Confession. Repentance. Speaking the truth, like being open. There's a fellowship that comes when we speak the truth. So how many of you have ever confessed anything horrible to someone and were well received? Or someone's confessed to you and you're like, I actually love you more now that you've shared. Right? There's like a glue that happens. Like the church these days, I feel, I feel like Jesus loves his church. Like he loves the church. He loves the church. And like the American evangelical church has been just run through the mud. And a lot of us are running it through the mud in our own hearts and minds. And I think that grieves the spirit of God. He loves the church. And it's not that we're perfect, but that we're this strange mix of saints and sinners that comes, to together, comes together to, to commune with the holy God. It's, it's not that we're perfect, but it's that we're really open about where we're wrong. And right now what I see in the church is we're not having a lot of openness, big C church, where we're wrong. Like for the most part as white people, we can't say, hey, you know what, African-American people, you have a different experience that we don't understand, so you might be right. Like it's too hard to talk about race, or it's too hard to talk about um, sex and sexuality. We just, it's just hard for us to open up our lives because we're afraid to be wrong. We're afraid to, I don't know, we don't want to be wrong. And so what I think God is calling the church to in general is this idea of consecration, this idea of speaking the truth, the gut level honesty, so that we move into deep, deep fellowship, so that we are reignited into this glue that comes from walking in the light. We, we're, we're ignited with mission to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, in Leviticus 20, verse 7, you don't have this verse, but it just says, Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. So as I've been reading this, I am like, Lord, I'm reading First John, I'm like, Lord, I, I don't know. Like, I think I want to walk in fellowship. I think I confess, but I, I kind of deceive myself from time to time. Like, I, I, I don't trust myself all of the time. And then when somebody tells me what they experience me as, I'm like, I don't know if I actually believe you. You know what I mean? I don't know if you're actually experiencing me correctly. Am I walking in the truth or not? It's very difficult to do this. There's this prayer in Psalm uh, 19. At the end of it, it says, Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep your servant back from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. So there's this prayer in the Psalms is like, even when we're walking in the light as best we can, he's like going, man, Lord, don't let me go into a ditch. Sometimes I don't trust my own heart. Does that make sense? I don't trust my own heart. So in this place, how, how do we actually do this? Because this is what Meredith asked. Isaiah 57, I've been in this chapter a lot, and this is so intense. Isaiah 57, verse 11. He said, whom did you dread and fear so that you lied and did not remember me? It did not lay it to heart. Have I not held my peace even for a long time and you did not fear me? 
like, there's a place, I believe, where the, like, American church and then us as individuals have kind of agreed with some lies or even believed them. And God's saying, who did you, like, who did you fear so much that you lied to me, you lied to yourself? Like, what idol did you run to? Who did, where did you turn instead of turning to me? Where, where um, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, like, where you're like, Yes, I'm a Christian, but I don't want to even pray the Lord's Prayer. I don't want to forgive my enemy. I actually want to um, inhabit a spirit of bitterness. It's not even that I'm trying to forgive this person. It's that I won't. Like the whole crux of Christianity is forgive your enemies, right? And forgive those that offend you. And so what I'm talking about is like this idea where we, we tell ourselves one thing, but then our behavior shows a completely different thing. Like what I think about the church is that in essence, we're not that different, the Big C Church. I'm speaking in vague generalities at this point. But we don't look that different from the world. We go after power and money and fame, just like the world does. And when power and money get into the same bed, the kingdom of Babylon is not far behind. Like, the, the church, the center of the Big C Church is no longer America. In the Middle East, in Iran, in China, in Africa, where they have no structure, they have no power, they have no money, they have no seminaries, the gospel is being spread. I hear stories of uh, people of Islamic origin having pictures of shepherds in white, a shepherd in white, coming to faith. And so what I think God is doing to our church, to the Big C Church, is going, hey, get real, are you going to do this or not? Because when you get into bed with power, money, and fame, it doesn't end well. The kingdom of Babylon is right behind, and hell come with it. Hell cometh with it, right? So he's saying to the church, whom did you, I think, I think, I am like, I'm, I'm a dude, right? I have a calling to like, let's just pay attention to Jesus together. And as I've been walking with other pastors and with you all, like, I think God is calling the church to be consecrated. I feel like he's, I think, I feel he's speaking to us. Guys, who did you dread and fear so much that you got in bed with politics, that you lied? Who did you dread and fear so much where you thought that this sin that you've been hiding wouldn't come out and wouldn't hurt people negatively? Whom did you dread and fear where you thought it was okay to in inhabit a spirit of bitterness and not forgive and think that my commandments were just like something that you could do when you felt really good and Jenny played a key change and then you got goose pimples because you felt like the spirit was there, right? Whom did you dread and fear? And you did not remember me. You didn't lay it to heart. Have I not held my peace even for a long time and you did not fear me? I will declare your righteousness and your deeds, but they will not profit you. He's saying is like when they're doing their fasting, I mean, Isaiah 58, the famous verse on fasting is like, man, this is the type of fast that I want where you clothe uh, the naked, that you feed those without any food, that you, you give life away when you're fasting. You don't just do it for your like show. He's saying, look, the show doesn't matter anymore. Your righteousness and your deeds, that doesn't matter. When you cry out, he goes, go ahead and let that thing that you've been serving, let that deliver you. I'm reminded of Romans 1 there where he's like, man, the wrath of God is when God's like, okay, you can have what you want. It's a dangerous place to be in, which seems like, it seems like that's where the, uh, the big C American church has been. He says, but when you cry out, let them, your collection of idols deliver you. The wind will carry them off. A breath will take them away. Finally, some hope, but, but God, but he who takes refuge in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. 
It says in verse 14 at the top, it says, comfort for the contrite. And it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way. Remove every obstacle from my people's way. So, Meredith, I don't know the answer to your question, but this sounds like John the baptizer coming to people to prepare the way of the Lord. And it seems like what Christ is doing in his big C church here in America is going, he's going, oh, but for the comfort for the contrite, he's like, prepare the way of the Lord. Build up, build up, prepare, remove every obstacle from my people's way. What's an obstacle that's keeping you from that deep sense of loving God and loving people? What's something that you know in your knower is kind of in the darkness, like you're like, like for me, y'all, it's straight up my phone. It's like not even like hiding anymore. Like Casey's like, you've been on your phone a lot. And I'm like, I know, but it's becoming an idol. I like it. I want to be distracted from reality at times. It's just so addicting to me. So just the personal accountability, what do you think I need to do to prepare the way of the Lord? How do I come out and be holy for a second? Yeah. But if we remember, your brain is neurologically wired to attach to something. So I have a deep, passionate love for my phone. Like, straight, like, what's keeping me from loving my sons like I should? Like, why do I get upset? What causes you distress? Is it not your passions warring within you? No, it's the fact that my sons want my attention and I want my phone. Like, my girls will have this great picture of me, like, going, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, this is a sermon. It's going to help me preach. Uh-huh. Oh, you're spitting up, uh-huh. Like, I'm just looking, I can, there's no hiding. I'm addicted to my phone. I have a problem. You know, they don't have iPhones maybe as much. It's like in the underground church. They have Christ, the word of God, and one another, right? So for me, I'm just saying, for accountability's sake, I'm still working on it. Remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the holy and high place, and also with him who is contrite and lowly of spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. As I look at like the big C American church, every place where people get platformed and they get lots of power, that's scary to me, even though I want that. You know I want that. I want to be an influencer. I haven't gotten that much big influence. Praise God. Because it seems like the way of the cross is really, really low and really, really slow. The way Christ was actually exalted was by murder, being murdered on a tree. He dwells with people in those places. My daughter is saying amen. I have daughters. How did that happen? Don't tell me. I, I, well, John, thank you. Like, he dwells with those who are lowly and contrite of heart. And this verse, praise the Lord, for I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry, for the spirit would grow faint before me and the breath of life that I made. Because of the iniquity of his unjust gain, I was angry. What I said earlier about where power and money come together in the kingdom of Babylon comes, and he's talking about a people group of the way that they've, they've said, okay, we'll, we'll partner with Egypt, we'll partner with these other people and not serve you. And the American church has done this, as we've seen politically, spiritually, emotionally. I struck him, I hid my face and was angry, but he went on backsliding. It's like as a church, like the big C church, we keep on having these bad things happen where we've like come out, bad news happens, it's exposed, we, we fail to see the other, we fail to do justice and mercy, we fail, fail to love God, love people, and it's the church is, just keeps on getting hammered because it's like we won't turn to him. 
and say, okay, Lord, we repent together for the ways we've given ourselves to these different things, to, to not loving you and to loving others. And then praise God, verse 18, I've seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead, let's change the pronoun here, her, the church. I will lead her and restore comfort to her and her mourners, creating the fruit of their lips. Peace, peace, this is the fruit. Shalom, shalom to the far and the near, says the Lord. I will heal her, the church. So, I, just to, I, I say this, lots of things. So that's the Big C Church, but our church, like the staff, the vestry, the trustees, we all know this is a time of transition. Like, it's a time of transition for us as a church. Like, in order for us to move to a place of fruit and thriving, it's like we've got to stretch beyond ourselves a bit, stretch to Christ, stretch to others, invest in, like, taking care of refugees, taking care of forerunner, discern what he's doing. And in this place, I feel like for us individually as a church, one church, we're called to be consecrated, to say, okay, Lord, we're going to start to set aside other things to seek your face, to be attentive to your face. So my question to you that we'll just discuss just briefly, and then we'll have a, bit, a little bit of time of prayer, is how do you see, like, how do you prepare the way of the Lord? How do you consecrate yourself and, like, the y'all yourself? How do we consecrate ourselves? Does that question make sense? It does. Okay. What do you think, Mo? In five minutes. I'll come back to Mo. But what do you guys think? How do we as a people consecrate ourselves so that we could hear his voice? So as the big C church transitions, as our church transitions, how do we discern him? How do we discern how we should consecrate ourselves? There it is. Casey, are you just smiling because she's talking? I know my, my influence meter on Instagram is going down because of that. Okay. I'm just kidding. What do you guys think? How do we consecrate ourselves? So how do you listen? Okay. So what do you have to do to be quiet to seek his face? Go away from kids. That's hard to do because you have many of them. So she... Alexis just said a brilliant thing. Um, are there any achievers here today that like to get stuff done? I want to challenge you to 30 seconds of silence a day. Like, one of the things that's happening is, like, we're kind of going back to these ancient practices, Lectio Divina, all this other stuff. As people are deconstructing, they're like, give me something other than read my Bible once in a year. Like, give me some more practices to do it. Silence is one of those. Let's say, as a couple, you're, like, going to, pray. If you don't fall asleep, spend 30 seconds of silence. Just listening. Like, this is what Meredith led us in today, just some breathing. Jenny's led it in. I've led it in. Just 30 seconds of silence. Like, speak for your servant listens. Okay, there's one. Silence, listening. Good job, Alexis. What else? How do we consecrate ourselves? How do we prepare to hear from him?
Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, Lord, this podcast is going to be the single ticket I need to listen to to get us to fruit and freedom financially and emotionally and spiritually. <laughs> one more podcast, just one more. Like wh one thing I'm practically doing, Michelle, um, like I'm going to do a social media fast starting in um, September. It's, it's going to be terrible because I like the Twitter the most. I think Instagram is ridiculous and that's neither here nor there. So, but Casey keeps on calling me up and she's like, when are you gonna do it? You know what you ought to do. And James is like, look, it's a sin for you to do something, not to do what you know you ought to do. And I'm like, oh, and I don't even know what the issue is, why I have such a problem with it, but yeah, I do. Anyway, who else? One more person, oh, John. Just to tag on what John's saying, like is the browbeat thing, that doesn't go over well. I, I'm not here for that. It's not like an obsession with sin. But like over the weeks and months over this year, we preached on Ephesians. I don't remember when. It was like what the church's role is, is to testify to cosmic beings. Christ is alive. And then what we've talked about is like in this discernment process is like what is Christ doing? Let's get behind that. And as we've talked with other pastors, other Christians, we can see that there's like this idea of consecration, like coming apart. And then thinking about what you're saying, John, is Isaiah. When Isaiah enters into the throne room, he goes, woe for me is I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people, an unclean people. And so there was a measure where he like owned like both his sin and the sins of the people. So it's like part of consecration is coming apart and preparing and saying, God, I don't want to be self-righteous. Like deliver me. Like I flee to you for your humility. So I, I love that, John, just what you're sharing in that. So we have silence. We have like, Michelle and I have some discipline issues we've got to face internally. The rest of you are free from that, obviously. None of you are on your phone all the time. And then um, like just sharing in Christ's humility so we're not in self-righteous. Because that's what he says in Isaiah 57. He's like, your righteous deeds, they're not going to profit you. But that contrite heart will. So that's a good word. One more person, and then we'll close our time today with a little bit of, a little bit of prayer. Mo, yes.
spiritual stuff will come. It'll be like a playlist. But those priorities are so out of whack. Like I let everything else come on to me. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, well, I'm tired. Yeah. Instead of going, no, this is, if this is what we're to be about, yes. to be holy people, then that should be my first thing. That should be my most consistent thing. That should be my, my thing that I'm going to constantly not Says what? Best done in community. Yeah. Catching with the Lord, talking yes. with the Lord, and then going, hey, people who know me well, what, does, does this make sense? Yes. You know, the number of times, especially in this church, where I've had or seen other people have people go, hey, I'm seeing this in you. And go, what? Yes. That's like that's better than I know myself because it is it's that moment of connection with the Lord. So you should write a blog about that so we can post it tomorrow. But the two things, what Mo said, I want to use to end with, like the choices that we make, which is huge to make this a priority. But in Leviticus, after I read that verse, uh, verse 7 says, Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Like it's nothing of our own doing, but actually the person of Jesus coming to work in us through the Holy Spirit, which is why this summer we've been in First John of saying, let's not rally around doing necessarily, but let's rally around faith in his blood. So what I wanted to do is I'm just going to end with First John chapter 2. If you could pull that up and we'll, I, it's time to go. But First John chapter 2, I'm going to read um, the hope from the gospel, from Jesus. This is from First John. My little children, I'm writing you these things that you may not sin. But if anyone does, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sin. His blood paid, bared, bore the penalty for our sins so that we could be in the presence of the all-holy God. And so the mark of Christians is not that we're perfect, but rather that we choose that confession, choose that consecration, knowing that it's not from us, but it's from someone altogether different from us, the most consistent person that has ever lived, Jesus Christ. So let's go, just to close, would you go with me in prayer and let's just say, Jesus, just in your own mind, Jesus, we come before you today. We know that these times are tumultuous. We know, like what Mo just said, our job is to kind of like discern together in community what you're doing and what needs to be done, what we ought to do, Lord. So God, I pray that you would show us through your Holy Spirit how individually and corporately we are to consecrate ourselves. Like, what are the actions that we need to choose? So just take a moment and just ask the Spirit of God, how do I slash we consecrate ourselves?
How do we choose to prepare the way, Lord? How do we choose you today, Jesus? Change the pronoun. How do we consecrate ourselves? How do we set ourselves apart as a beautiful, splendid bride for church? And then finally, um, Jesus, we just look to the cross once again, knowing that you made a way where there was no way so that we could be with you here and now, then and there, Lord. We could be with one another with beautiful purpose, Lord. We bless your name today. I pray that you would speak to each of us in these coming days and weeks. Um, like, interrupt, interrupt our world, God, so that we can hear you. Give us grace to choose um, things like silence or things like putting down the phone, things like your word, God, things like fellowship with one another. So bless all of us today, Lord. Bless us with your presence, your mercy. Thank you for these men and women. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, I love you guys. If you get things, I, Jenny and I and Zoe, we love hearing what you have to say. So we, we kind of got to get out of here, but we want to hear from you. So if you got something, text it to us, encourage us, pick up the phone and call us. But we love you guys. We want to hear. Um, make sure you don't walk through the gym as you go. Uh, we love you. Shalom. See you soon.